Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the Primal Podcast. At Primal, hunting is more than just a hobby. It's a way of life. And whether you're an expert or just getting started, Primal can help make you a better hunter. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to another edition of the Primal Podcast. My name is Mike Avery, and I learn so much by doing these podcasts, by talking with the folks who are experts in the field, who get these primal products out in the woods, they get them out in the trees, they get them out on the ground, and and we learn about hunting. Our guest this time around is a Michigan hunter that I uh, haven't talked with officially on the podcast since the springtime turkey season. His name is Charlie Wiltsey, and he is a primal pro staffer. Charlie, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing good, Mike. It's uh, it's nice to be back. Thank you. Yeah, listen, uh, we haven't talked since the uh, springtime. Uh, first of all, how was your summer? I see you did some fishing. Yeah, yeah, I had uh, had some uh, good walleye trips on the Saginaw Bay. Um, always a blast. Got into some good fish, and then also got into some uh, some good salmon over uh, out of Leland. So I didn't get to fish a lot, but when I did, uh, we did really well. So is fishing, Charlie, something for you you do just to stay active when you can't be hunting, or do you truly love fishing too? I, I truly do love fishing. Um, I grew up in a, a family of fishing. My grandpa, who I was named after, actually owned a fishing lodge up in Ontario on the Lake Osnagi for 20 years. So my dad and his brothers you know, grew up going up there in the summers, and, and then my grandpa sold in 1980, but we, you know, we always had ties to fishing. My dad was a commercial fisherman out of Bayport, and I, I love fishing growing up on the Saginaw Bay, perch and walleye. Um, but as I've gotten older, and you know, my my main passion is bow hunting, 
uh, that, uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff with archery hunting, and, and when I can get out to fish, I do it because I love it. When you guys had that lodge up in Ontario, did you do any bear hunting up there too? You know, my grandpa, my grandpa and my my dad did a little bit, um, but they mainly had all their their clients came in to fish. But grandpa did have a few clients that came in for for black bear hunting. Um, now I would like to get back up there because that area it's uh, it's about an hour and a half, two hours north of Wawa. Uh, you know, obviously it's some really good bear hunting in that area, um, and I'd love to be able to shoot a bear or a you know a moose up in that area especially with the ties that my family's had up there oh man i I go up there bear hunting every year but i have yet to hunt moose i would i would absolutely love that yeah that would be something incredible wouldn't it that's that's on my bucket list i'll tell you another cool hunt and i've done this uh up there as well is that a, a wolf hunt in fact i took a beautiful wolf up there a few years ago and we're talking the same area charlie where you're bear hunting and moose hunting you can wolf hunt as well Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, because we definitely know these wolves need to be kept in check. So that would—I'm going to put that on my bucket list as well, Mike. That would be—that'd be awesome. <laughs> your, your bucket list keeps growing, Charlie. Yeah, I know it does. I got to keep working hard so I can—I can keep uh, doing these hunts. So listen, since we uh, you know talked last spring and you've been fishing this summer, how about this fall hunting season? Where have you been? What have you done? Well, I um, the last number of years um, I've been starting to try to do an early uh, archery hunt out of state. Um, I've been going down to Kentucky. I met some real good people there. Um, it's in northwest Kentucky area around Brandenburg. So we're right across the Ohio River. So coming out of Indiana, boom, right there, Kentucky. Beautiful area, good hunting, great deer hunting, great turkey hunting. So um, it's been a couple years now I've been going down there for the early season. So basically, you know, hunting over hunting over food sources. Um, typically, you know, they're still that time of year. They're loving those standing beans. So I was down there for uh, three days before I left for Colorado and um, got on a couple really big bucks, Mike, over them standing beans. But I just wasn't, I wasn't where they came out and where they made their way to, but I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back down there. I'm actually going to be um, archery hunting down there next week uh, for for the rut. So um, really excited to get back down there. Um, so Kentucky is where I started off, and then I made my way over to Colorado for uh, archery elk hunt. Wow. Wow. Well, let's talk a little bit about Kentucky first. I have never hunted Kentucky, but I've heard a lot of good things about that state. In fact, at one time, I think it was kind of considered a sleeper state, but I think the cat's out of the bag now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'd say definitely the last five, six years, the cat's definitely been out of the bag for Kentucky. Uh, there's just such a diverse amount of, you know, from agriculture to to good timber. Um, the pressure, you know, there there has been more and more pressure with people obviously getting to know know about the bucks that are in that state. But it still seems like uh, the management's there, um, and it just holds some really, really nice bucks. If I remember right, too, they start their season early. I mean, were you hunting velvet bucks? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I was there. I was there on the 12th of September, um, and basically the majority of the bucks that I saw in the standing beans um, were still all in full velvet. And the year before, I shot a beautiful mainframe, my first full velvet buck, and I shot that buck on, uh, I think it was September 8th, and it was 87 degrees out. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's it's kind of funny, Mike, you know, doing these early season hunts now and you start seeing the challenges. So obviously we know we got 
you know, warm weather to deal with. We know we've got, um, you know, mosquitoes and all sorts of bugs. And then on top of that, you're getting up in the trees, you're in the woods, you know, poison ivy, poison oak at that time is, is everywhere. So I call it uh, ESC, Early Season Challenges. And uh, <laughs> each year, each year, well, last two years, I've gotten poison ivy really bad. Mm. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's such a great opportunity to kill a buck, and especially even a buck in velvet, because, you know, those deer are just, you know, they're in their just natural feeding paths. Early season, you know, there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of hunters. So it really is a great opportunity um, to really harvest a mature whitetail. How do you deal with mosquitoes? Because when we go up to Canada bear hunt, we take a thermocell, it knocks down the mosquitoes, but the bears don't care. Um, how do whitetails react to a thermocell? Well, I mean, you, you know, you, you got to be able to control the bugs. So I, I do use a thermocell. Um, typically, again, you know, we, we try to hunt the wind right. So um, basically, you know, I'll have a number of sets, and if it's somewhere I want to be and that wind ain't right, you know, you just got to be, um, just got to really stick to your guns and not hunt it. So if you're hunting the wind, you know, with that thermosol running, you know, typically it is going to be blowing in the direction that the majority of the deer won't be coming. Gotcha, so, gotcha. But, but the mosquitoes, they, they get so bad that early season, you, you, you got to run something like that or it's just going to it's gonna drive you right out of the tree or right out of your ground blind. Yep, I hear you. It just doesn't give you a, a choice. This is the Primal Podcast, a presentation of our friends from uh, Primal Tree Stands, their website, primaltreestands.com. That's primaltreestands.com. This time around, we're talking with pro staffer, uh, Charlie Wiltsey. Charlie is a Michigan hunter, but he doesn't hesitate to jump out of his home state and pursue some uh, big uh, big game across the country. Charlie, you're talking about this early season Kentucky hunt when the bucks are in the velvet. Man, those they, they look huge in the velvet, don't they? Oh, they, oh, they do, Mike. It's incredible. Um, you know, this year, like I said, I had three big shooters. And I was only there for um, three days, and uh, it's just it's just incredible how big they look when that velvet's running on them. And, uh, it's, it's intense. Uh, I love, I love it. I love it. And then, you know, shooting my first full velvet last year, like I was saying, um, it gets you hooked to want to try to really, you know, get out of the state and and try to do some early season whitetail hunting. Now you use the term shooter. I realize that's different for every hunter, but what does that mean to you, Charlie? Well, for me, it's just a mature whitetail. You know, I, of course, you know, I like to shoot a, you know, a whitetail that's going to, you know, score well. But at the end of the day, I, I'm hunting, you know, mature whitetails. Uh, when it's time that I want to shoot a big buck, my main focus is, is a buck that's got some, some maturity. Now, whether he's got a lot of points and a lot of length and a lot of mass, you know, that's great. But if he's mature, I'm going to be happy with that. Well, and I don't mean to keep harping on this, but what is mature? Is it a three and a half, four and a half, five and a half? What do you, what do you, how do you judge this? Well, it basically, you know, with the area you're hunting, you know, like for, you know, being down there in Kentucky, you know, those are big body deer. And if, you know, if I know the farm I'm hunting has got quite a few, you know, quite a few deer and with some maturity, well, then I'll kind of up my game. So, you know, down there, I'm looking for a, you know, a, probably a four and a half year old and, you know, again with the antler structure down there most of those bucks are going to have some some pretty good racks on them but you are still going to have some four and a half five and a half year olds that just you know just don't have the genes uh but you can just tell by the body that they're mature 
Um, so, you know, I'll kind of pick and choose, but then also when I'm at our family cabin, you know, we have 150 acres up in Lupton and Ogama County, you know, you, you kind of, kind of change things a little bit because there, you know, we, we, we don't have the management as well. And, you know, you're, you know, got a three and a half year old that, uh, if, if it feels right, I, I wouldn't be, I won't be scared to, you know, put an arrow in them. Charlie, I got to believe up there in Lupton, where the family camp is, those three-and-a-half-year-olds are few and far between. Exactly. And, that, and that's kind of what I'm saying. It's just For me, it's just kind of depending upon where I'm at, and uh, I just kind of use that as my, uh, you know, my base of, of kind of what I figure at that point in time for, for what I want to shoot when it comes to a mature whitetail. Well, I'm thinking about these two hunts. You've got the early-season Kentucky hunt. Uh, they're still in the velvet. It's hot out. Those animals aren't pressured yet. And then you go back home to Michigan. You're hunting up in Ogemaw County where there's hunters everywhere. The deer are pressured. They're looking up in trees from the minute they wake up till they, you know, at night. Two completely different hunts, huh? Oh, absolutely. And, that you know, that's what I, that's what I love about the challenges of, you know, obviously being very blessed to travel and to hunt a lot of different states. But, you know, everything's always different from early season, you know, to your mid-season to late season. You know, you're always going to have different challenges and you're going to have different challenges, you know, depending upon what state you're in and an area. So that that to me is, is, is really makes it, you know, fun, the challenge of, you know, you always got something else you got to deal with. Um, but yeah, definitely. For example, up in Lupton, you know, just with the amount of hunting pressure, um, just how the deer act so much different. You know, you you've got to be prepared to make changes constantly, depending upon you know where you're where you're hunting. And I like the concept of judging a shooter or a trophy buck based on where you are, because that is going to change, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, 2008 was when I first started really chasing mature whitetails in, in central Illinois. And I learned a lot from that five-day trip of, you know, okay, this is what I love to do. I love to see these whitetails, you know, w- watching them in their element. It was, you know, early November. But I really realized that, you know, you take that from central Illinois to southern Michigan to, to central northern Michigan, such different areas. And you've just got to be able to adjust and go into that hunt you know, with the mindset of, of knowing that, or, you know, you can sit there and, and chase, chase whitetails forever and, and you're not going to be happy, you know? So what was it back in 2008 that kind of got you thinking, I want to, I, I want to target mature bucks. What, what, was there something missing before or were you looking for a bigger challenge or what? Well, always, you know, since I was 12 years old, I had a bow in my hand. But at, during that during that spell, you know, I was in my in my mid 20s, and I still was doing a lot of duck hunting. You know, growing up there on Saginaw Bay, um, duck hunting crazy, and I loved it. Went to Arkansas a bunch of times, and I was just kind of at that spell where I was still really enjoying duck hunting. But you know, I wanted to do an out of the state hunt for whitetails. I'd never done it before. And me and my good buddy Mike, you know, went to to Central Illinois and just being on stand and watching these whitetails do what I really hadn't seen them do much in Michigan, you know, chasing does. And of course, you know, seeing some, some more mature, bigger bucks, it just really, that trip just hooked me like, Hey, you know, I mean, I want to, I want to, you know, try to put some more focus and attention on, on chasing mature bucks with my bow and arrow. And I wanted to be able to really put the attention to that rather than try to, you know, still duck hunt a lot and still deer hunt and then gun hunt. So that was when I said, okay, I, I really want to focus on archery, whitetail hunting, mature whitetails. 
um, and, and see where it takes me. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. Can you be a hardcore waterfowl hunter and a hardcore deer hunter, or do you have to decide, hey, I, I got to pick one to put my efforts into? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, lot of guys and, and women who, you know, love to do both, and they're good at it. Um, and I've always felt that I've been, you know, good at both of them. But I think if you truly want to be able to, you know, really reach some of the goals you have, whether it be, you know, shoot a, a booner whitetail or, you know, be able to go down and, you know, shoot them greenheads and shoot them divers and, you know, be able to get your bag limit from time pretty much every time you go out, you got to be able to, to spend the time on that that scope of hunting be able to study them learn them and i think in order to do that you you really if you want to be a lead at it i think it has to be kind of one or the other i mean you could be great at a number of things but if you really want to be able to try to get the best you can out of out of yourself i think if, if you take one you're going to have more success Great advice from Charlie Wilsey on this edition of the Primal Podcast. If you want to learn more about Primal Tree Stands, check out the website, primaltreestands.com. That's primaltreestands.com. We will take a quick break and be right back. Do you want to save money on great hunting gear? Head to the Primal Tree Stands website and use my promo code Avery. You know I love that Primal Wraith 270 see-through ground blind, and their new Breeze blind is a great option too. For tree stand hunters, check out the Snapsticks, Rip Rails, or Grip Stick Climbing Sticks. And to make your time in the stand as safe as possible, take a look at the Descender. That slowly lowers you to the ground in case of a fall. All of these products and more are available on Primal Tree Stands. Just use the promo code Avery at checkout and get a great discount, including my favorite, the Wraith See-Through Blind for less than $200. That's right, one of the most popular see-through ground blinds on the market at a price you can't beat anywhere. Again, go to PrimalTreeStands.com and use the promo code Avery to get big discounts on everything on the website, including that Wraith Ground Blind for less than $200. Welcome back to the Primal Podcast. My name is Mike Avery. This time around, talking with pro staffer Charlie Wiltsey. Charlie, we've talked about your your Michigan hunts in the past, your Kentucky hunt, and then you said you went out to Colorado. What kind of a hunt was that? Yeah, so September out west. I mean, that's pretty much for pretty much all the states where elk hunting. That's uh, archery only, and that's when the uh, the elk are in their rut phases, and it is a great great time to try to uh to shoot a, a bull or a cow elk if you can have a multiple multiple tag uh with your bow and arrow so uh i've been out west now i think this was my seventh time and i started in idaho because idaho is somewhat of an easier state to uh, get tags and then i really got attracted to colorado four years ago because colorado has an over-the-counter tag an otc archery tag that is good for some private ground, a lot of BLM ground, and some national forest ground. So with that OTC tag, it's it's a guaranteed tag, and you can you know get out there and and do some elk hunting. So Colorado's really pulled me in the last uh, four September's. So how does elk hunting compare to uh, whitetail hunting? Oh, completely different. Completely different. I mean, it's uh, 
the the challenges. I mean, they're still just like just like whitetails. I mean, obviously, we all know there's tons of challenges. But when it comes to the archery, you know, elk hunting, basically, from the experience that I've had, you know, it, well, being up in Idaho, that's like heavy black timber. So I mean, you don't even really need to have binoculars. You just got to be able to try to get back away from where you know the hunters are, and you're basically just stalking. You're listening for bugles. You're walking. You're cow calling. Um, you know, you're just trying to trying to get on some animals. But being up there in the mountains, you also have to deal with not only your wind for scent. You have to worry about the thermals. So as as the day gets warm, your your thermals. So everything's going to start rising, and then later in the day, as it starts to cool down, your thermals and your scent, everything's going to start dropping. So, so that's something that's always got to be thought of. Um, and up there in that heavy timber, I mean, you can walk for days and days, and if if you're not hearing hearing elk, I mean, you, like I said, you don't even use binoculars. So uh, it's it's really tough. And then in Colorado, where we're at, we're over by Steamboat Springs area, about 6,000 feet is where we do a lot of our hunting, so it's a lot of oak brush. Uh, but, you know, these are big canyons that we're hunting, but it's, it's pretty heavy oak brush. So you're kind of getting into that oak brush, and you're cow calling, and you're doing some bugles, and you're hoping to get something to respond. Or you can kind of like your whitetail hunt, you can set up, and you're hoping that them you know, the elk are moving from the higher country. They start to come down in the evenings where they're going to come down for trying to hit the pastures for feeding and everything. So, so there is some whitetail hunting involved as well, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, man. Is it a lot of fun at 6,000 feet? Do you feel that, uh, altitude? You do. You do. Yeah. I've been, since I got serious about elk hunting. Um, and one thing I tell everybody that wants to get into it, Mike, if you really want to do it right, you're going to go out there. You're going to pay six hundred dollars for a tag, all the expenses. Um, you got to train. You know, I'm up in Ogma County. There's these Mulby Hills. I go up there and I train in the summertime, and I I get pretty aggressive with it because if I'm going out there, the limited time we get to do it, I want to be in really good shape, and I want I don't want to be held back because. You know, I can't get my breath, and I needed to go a little bit farther where I could have got on a bull, but I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So I really stress to everybody that if you want to go out west, especially archery, I mean, even rifle hunting um, for, for elk, you really got to spend some time and get yourself in some good shape. Well, you can get yourself in shape uh, back east, but you really can't prepare for the altitude, can you? That, that's tough. That's the thing. You, yeah, that you can't really prepare too too much for that. I mean, there is like altitude training and all that stuff, but you know, there's not many of us that can have means for that. But if your body is in condition where you know you're you've been pushing it, you know, you've been getting your cardio going for quite some time, that is going to help you quite a bit more. Now, you mentioned gun hunting. That's a whole different world in a lot of ways. Are you a gun hunter at all, Charlie? I do. I do gun hunt. Yep. I've been out to Wyoming gun hunting. I gun hunt in Michigan, do a little bit, you know, in Ohio or Kentucky from time to time. Um, but typically the majority of the hunting I do is, is archery hunting. And in archery hunting for elk, uh, it's a big target, but your shots out west are going to be sometimes pretty good distance, right? Yeah, especially there in Colorado where we're at. I mean, it is oak brush country, but there are some spots where, you know, you can get some, some pretty long shots. So, I mean, I, I like to, I shoot my bow a lot. I shoot, try to shoot 
300 days a year, even if it's two or three arrows um, at a time. Um, but you do want to prepare yourself if you have that opportunity, you know, and if you can stay calm, you know, you got to think about the wind and everything else, that if you can get a 50-yard shot and you're, you're comfortable with it, um, you know them broadheads are going to fly good at 50 yards, you know, you, you really sh- do need to, to have that, that longer shot prepared because, again, your opportunities are so limited you know, you don't want to have an elk at 40, 45 yards, and you just haven't practiced and feel comfortable with it. So I, I like to I like to shoot a lot up to 50 yards and feel very comfortable um, at 50. And, and one way to feel comfortable at 50 is to shoot at 70 and 80 in practice, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really noticed when I started going out west and, and preparing myself for longer shots, when at that time I started training for longer shots, and if you're if you're training, you know, 60, 70, 80, 85 yards, you know, you start shooting those and getting comfortable with your bow at those yards, you know, a 35, 35, even 40-yard shot is almost like a chip shot. So it really brings a lot of advantages for us archery hunters if you are shooting them longer distances. Then all of a sudden now you're whitetail hunting, and, you know, you feel so comfortable at a 20, 30, 35-yard shot. Do you need a higher poundage bow, or could you shoot a sixty-pound bow out west? Oh, you can shoot a sixty. You, you just, you know, you you just got to know what it's going to do. But oh yeah, there's a lot of elk killed with sixty-pound bows. Um, you just got to know your your limitations. You gotta you gotta shoot enough that you can say, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm not pulling back that seventy, eighty pounds, but you know, I know forty to forty-five yards. You know, my arrow's still going to fly true. I still got that kinetic energy I need to to kill an elk. And I feel like with today's bows, they're so efficient that you can get pretty good speed and energy out of a lower poundage bow as opposed to, you know, a few years ago. Oh, absolutely. 100%. These newer bows, it's just, they're just absolutely incredible. So, yes, that definitely helps uh, with the technology now. Um, you know, there's there's people that are shooting, you know, 50, 55-pound bows, and I know they're killing elk with them. You just got to know what your limits are, and you got to be, you know, real strict to, to, you know, where you're going to shoot uh, when, when the time comes. So you started out in Kentucky on a velvet whitetail. You went to uh, Colorado for an elk. Where, where'd you go next? So just been hunting in Michigan a little bit, but I'm, uh, I'm getting, getting pretty excited. I'm loading up the camper on Friday and I'm going to be swinging through Ohio. I lived in uh, Northwest Ohio back in 12 and 2012 and 13 and made some good connections. So I'm going to be in the defiance area. I'm going to do two, three days there and just kind of see how things are going, see how the deer movement is. And then I've got my Kentucky tag, so then I'll I'll head down to Kentucky from there and um, just kind of see, again, how things are going. I've got some some options in uh, northwest Missouri and southern Indiana, and that's all real close. So... So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I got about ten days, and I'm I'm going to take off, and I'm just going to try to be smart, not not get uh, you know too going on one certain thing, and and just kind of see what happens. Charlie, I, I, I got to ask you a question, and I'm not saying this to be a smart aleck, but how do you get so much time off to hunt? Well, I'm I'm really I'm really blessed. I mean, obviously, I've had uh, great support from my family. And Brittany at home, and my I have two two young girls, which are my whole life. Uh, they're three and five years old, uh, but Brittany's always supported me. Uh, but the big thing is, is I'm uh, I've been an entrepreneur now for a number of years. I own own a tavern, um, construction company, property management company. So it does help that I can help control my hours. 
Um, I mean, I'm still doing work when I'm out hunting. A lot of times at night, I'm, you know, emails and phones and still really involved. But I'm I'm fortunate enough and being very blessed with, you know, the help of Primal and, and, and the work I do and my family that I, you know, that I do get to travel a lot and hunt. That is for sure. Let's talk about Primal a little bit. What role does equipment and gear play in these hunts that you've been on or any successful hunt or hunting in general? Oh, it's, I mean, it's it's everything. Obviously, you know, your self-preparation and, and how hard you mentally want to focus on something is, is where it all starts, you know. But at the end of the day, you got to have the right equipment. Um, and I've been running, you know, Primal products now since I had my my Iowa tag in 2018, me and Phil Gibbs uh, talked with Bob Ransom, and uh, we know we started uh, started using Primal products. And uh, it is so important to make sure you're using, you know, good, strong products, and you're comfortable with what you're using. So, like for example, on this coming trip, you know, I'll be I'll be in the, I'll be in the air most of the time. Um, you know, Primal's got a great aluminum hanger now, the Sky Spy. Uh, so I'll be hunting out of that a lot. It's light. It's really versatile. So if I'm, you know, moving a couple sets, it doesn't take much. We've got some good aluminum, uh, you know, tree rails so I can, you know, be able to move real quick and set up. Um, and then also, you know, we've got the Wrath, uh, the Wraith, excuse me, the 270, um, the Vision ground blind. We've got a number of different ground blinds. But those grind blinds, you know, they're they're slick. They're easy. I know you've hunted out of a mic. Oh, that, um, yeah, that, that wraith is my favorite blind. Yeah, I love the wraith. I've hunted. I've shot turkeys, deer out of that. Um, but you know, they're really they're they're easy. They're they're quiet to get set up. Um, but yeah, it's important. You, you know, you've got to feel comfortable with your equipment. And uh, you know, one thing that Primal does. You know, Bob's been in this industry a long, long time. And uh, makes really good products. Um, you know, you can be feel comfortable in. You can sit all day long on stand. You know, the ground blinds once they're set up, you know, no problem to be safe and protected inside of those. Um, just Primal does a real good job on uh, on the products. One thing that I'm going to try on some lease property we have back here in Michigan, and, you know, I'm, I'm a little late in the season to be doing this. Maybe I'll wait and do it next year. Maybe I'll do it this year. I don't know. But I love that Wraith, that, that see-through Wraith, that 270. But the one thing I don't like about it is, is putting it right in the ground. So uh, I know Bob, I know Primal has these, has these uh, what would you call them, Charlie? It's a, it's a platform. It's an elevated platform. And they're actually, they come with a different model blind. I'm going to get a couple of those platforms, and I'm going to put wraiths on top of them over food plots on our lease property, and I think it's going to be the best of all worlds. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yep, Primal has one. It comes, I believe it's a six or eight feet in the air uh, platform, and then the blind sits right on top. And, yeah, that's, you know, a lot easier than, you know, putting up these big heavy blinds, plus when it comes to um, the cost. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's probably one tenth the cost of you know some of these big four or five thousand dollar blinds. Yeah, uh, you know more versatile to kind of like you were saying, Mike, put up over food food sources and be able to move them if you need to. Yeah, um, no, that's that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So what else, Charlie? Before we let you go, any closing tips for us? Uh, basically, it's kind of like I always say. You know, I mean, we're all so blessed to be able to do do what we love, getting out hunting and. Uh, just hunt hard and, and hunt smart. And uh, if, you, if you haven't used any Primal products, take a look at PrimalTreeStands.com and, 
and get yourself a tree stand or ground blind, you won't be disappointed. There you go, Charlie. There, there's our guy right there, Charlie Wilsey, on this edition of the Primal Podcast. As Charlie said, if you want to check out Primal Tree Stands, the ground blinds, the tree stands, the accessories, go to the website, primaltreestands.com. That's primaltreestands.com. My name is Mike Avery, and I will talk with you next time right here on the Primal Podcast.